Disloyal is a podcast committed to a broad representation of thought, ideas, and creative imaginings. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast do not necessarily represent the opinions of the staff, management, board, or volunteers of the Jewish Museum of Maryland. I think in the same way that I just mentioned that recycling the Jewish nose and recontextualizing this symbol that many people would associate with the Jewish body, I enjoy the idea of recontextualizing Christian iconography and and Christian symbology in order to replace it with a Jewish perspective that is missing. And I'm basically inserting myself and inserting a Jewish perspective into an art historical canon that erased Jewish bodies in Jewish stories. Welcome to Disloyal, a podcast from the Jewish Museum of Maryland. I'm your host, Mark Gunnery. Today on the show, we're continuing our series on offense around the Torah, the Jewish Museum of Maryland's latest contemporary art exhibit. It explores how Jewish communities navigate the concepts of safety and unsafety in traditional, contemporary, and futuristic ways. I'm speaking with the artists and curators who made the exhibit possible. You can experience the art from this exhibit at offensearoundthetorah.com. And today, we have a fascinating conversation that ranges from the use of anti-Semitic tropes and symbols in Jewish art to Barbara Streisand and the so-called Jewish nose. I'm joined by Rosabel Rosalind. Rosabel Rosalind is an artist based in Pittsburgh who received her BFA in printmaking, painting, and drawing at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And she's currently pursuing a Master of Fine Arts at Carnegie Mellon University. She's been included in group exhibitions at the Art Institute of Chicago, the Hyde Park Art Center, and Sullivan Gallery in Chicago, and solo exhibitions at Vienna's Museum Courtier and Improper Walls Gallery. Rosabel Rosalind, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And I'm also joined by Leora Ostroff. Leora Ostroff is curator in residence here at the Jewish Museum of Maryland, where she curated a fence around the Torah. She's a painter whose work explores themes like queerness, Jewishness, violence, and the idiosyncrasies of life in Baltimore. Leora Ostroff, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Rosabel Rosalind, I want to start with you. Before we talk about the specific pieces you contributed to Offense Around the Torah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your art? Yeah. So, well, I'm I'm currently a student, so I'm I'm pursuing my uh, graduate degree in Pittsburgh, and my work is really shifting. Currently, I'm actually right now I'm working on a book um, about my Zaidi, my grandfather who was an Orthodox rabbi, and I'm painting the manuscript in beet juice because he loves borscht. And I think just the the material and compositional um, specificity of that, I think, captures his essence in a way that will make the book very individual to him and to our relationship. And it's it's a book about us, and it's autobiographical as well. It's, it's, uh, I would consider it an autoethnography because while I tell the story, of him and our relationship. It's also a story about me and my Jewishness. So, so in that regard, you know, I, I make books, I tell stories, but I'm also a painter. I like to draw 
I like to make comics. Um, so the book that I just mentioned is actually going to be a book of comics. I basically just, when somebody asks me what I do, I tell them that I like to make images and those images typically tell stories. You contributed three pieces to a fence around the Torah that were inspired by research you did in the Jewish Museum Vienna's Schlaff collection of anti-Semitic objects and art and postcards. Can you tell us a little bit about this series and the research that it came out of? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the project was inspired by the, their Schlaff, the Jewish Museum Vienna's Schlaff collection of anti-Semitic postcards, which is very, it's a very unique archive. Most Jewish museums, most museums in general, like would not at all be interested in collecting <laughs> such controversial material, but it was a really interesting research project for me because I embarked on this journey in a region still very much so contending with anti-Semitism and it, a history of anti-Semitism that it doesn't necessarily want to contend, contend with <laughs> in a contemporary sense. So to be working on this and with this collection at this time amidst the Pittsburgh shooting. So I started this project um, in 2018, just a month before the shooting in Pittsburgh happened. I think the project came about at a very critical moment in both American politics and also Austrian politics. But the work that I was looking at, which I struggled to even call art, I wouldn't call it art, the postcards and the objects were uh, essentially just caricatures of the Jewish body in a variety of different ways. So objectifying the Jewish face, uh, the Jewish body, creating like grotesque caricatures and exaggerating facial features and feminizing male Jews and masculinizing female Jews and just like completely abstracting and pulling apart every ounce of humanity of the Jewish body. Um, so essentially like the beginning of this project, I was, I was recycling a lot of the symbols and stereotypes that I was coming across, drawing, using my face and self-portraiture to digest the, the stereotypes and digest the imagery that I was looking through. And the work at the, at the, that is um, in Offense Around the Torah, that's the work that I made at the end of my nine months, working with the same imagery over and over and over again. And I think the work does a really good job of condensing the Jewish pride and the survivalist sensibility of the Jewish spirit that I had found in myself and through the research that I was doing and capturing it through three vignettes, two historical and one ahistorical. So the ahistorical vignette is of Judith Slang Holofernes. It's actually traditionally like a Catholic story. It's a part of the Catholic canon, but it's a story of a Jewish heroine who murders and beheads Holofernes, who is a general in the Assyrian army in order to save her people and her town, Bethulia. 
I inscribed on Holofernes' face the mourner's cottage. So there's this othering that I'm doing. When facing this, this image, you know, you see, or this, this drawing, you see Judith and her accomplice beheading this character that is, is inherently visually implicated in its own like violent legacy in a Jewish oppressive history. The other historical piece, uh, one of them is God Full of Compassion. It's a depiction of King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella, who were responsible for thousands and thousands of deaths during the Spanish Inquisition, not only of Jewish bodies, but Muslim bodies as well. And inscribed on their faces is Kel Mela Rachamim, which is translated as God Full of Compassion. And it is another prayer of mourning and remembrance. And the other drawing uh, is called Merciful Father. And this is a drawing in response to the Crusades. So in this one, they're all, all of the characters have uh, the same in- inscription of, of Harachamim, which is called Merciful Father. It is a memorial prayer that was specifically written in response to the First Crusade. And some of the characters on there are Pope Urban II and Count Emiko and other figures that played uh, large roles in the persecution of Jewish people during this time. And also one thing that I will add to is every drawing in the series has uh, this dove figure, character that is present and and makes itself known through like an aura, through this irradiance. And the dove has, instead of a beak, if you look closely, it has this very stereotypical nose, a Jewish nose that I say in quotation marks, because I was using a lot of nose imagery during this project in a way that's critical, but also celebratory, kind of twisting it in a way that I think maybe one might assume I'm doing it, you know, to to, um, reduce the Jewish body to a big nose is seemingly reductive or seemingly stereotypical, but I find power in recontextualizing it and celebrating the history of Jewish oppression through the lens of Jewish survival. Speaking of recontextualizing, your work puts Jewish symbolism and prayers into classically Christian art, like the images of the 11th century crusaders or the Catholic Spanish monarchs. Why did you want to have these Jewish and Christian elements together in the same works? And did you come away from this project with any different insights on either Jewish or Christian artistic traditions? Yeah, well, I was working in Vienna and I was surrounded by the most beautiful churches ever. In Europe, there are so few temples still standing. Jewish, you know, synagogues, you know, in in museums, any museum that you go to in Europe, you see you're surrounded by very Christian iconography, paintings, illustrating Christian biblical scenes. I think in the same way that I just mentioned that recycling the Jewish nose and recontextualizing this symbol 
that many people would associate with the Jewish body. I enjoy the idea of recontextualizing Christian iconography and, and Christian symbology in order to replace it with a Jewish perspective that is missing. And I'm basically inserting myself and inserting a Jewish perspective into an art historical canon that erased Jewish bodies in Jewish stories. Leora Ostroff, I want to turn to you. You put Rosalind's work in the narrative section of A Fence Around the Torah. First, can you remind us of what the questions were that you were putting forward with the narrative section? Yeah, I paired this section with the questions, when do you feel safe and how do we imagine Jewish futures, safety and solidarity? And I I think that one question that I should also use to frame this is um, what is the relevance of history and myth to Jewish life today and to the Jewish future? And I think that drawing us back to historical narratives of anti-Semitism and to violent expulsion is a means to direct our attention in certain ways towards the future. And like a lot of the other artists in the show, namely Naomi Weintraub and Ariel Tonkin, I think that Rosabelle posits that ritual is a source of strength and also a means of reckoning. Um, And I think that the narratives that Rosabelle points to in her work are specific, but the question of Jewish safety and when and how we make safety for ourselves is very broad. And so another thing that I just found powerful about her work was the pairing of prayers and ritual with these historical and mythological narratives. Yeah, Rosabelle, do you have any thoughts about that, about the use of of ritual and prayer in your art and why why you're drawn to using, using them in this context? In this context, I actually hadn't in, in the whole, the series of work that I produced when I was in Vienna, I, hardly ever used Hebrew text and writing in my drawings. So this was new to me. In the show that these drawings were initially installed in, my exhibition in Vienna, which was called 70% Chutzpah, I brought the community together on the opening night and performed a Havdalah ritual with a community of people who had never experienced anything like it. It was a totally secular, like maybe no Jews at all around me. And I made booklets. I had actually, no, I did have my friends there, some friends from the synagogue that I was attending. And I had a, a little bit of help and I found somebody to play guitar. And it was a really beautiful ceremony and performance and community gathering and cultural exchange that I was, I feel very grateful. I was able to contribute something to my community at that time. So in that way, ritual very directly contributed to my experience in Vienna. I became a lot more religious, a lot more Jewish. I feel I became a lot more connected to Judaism through this work that I did in Vienna and also through practices like that where I had no other choice but to approach my Judaism with pride <laughs> because I was one of the very few people in v- in Vienna who was out <laughs> out as a Jewish person <laughs> 
So why did you want to include your your work in this particular show? And where, where do you see your work fitting into the main themes of a fence around the Torah, like safety and unsafety and inclusion and exclusion? Well, I think my Judaism, I've I said this a few times and my friend and I, we both share this same sentiment where we feel like our Judaism is a Judaism of oppression. The, the story of being a Jewish person that I was always, I was raised with is a constant reckoning with the history that preceded us and that still continues to implicate us. So when I think about Jewish safety and unsafety, I think that's just a description of being Jewish today, contemporary Jewishness, this feeling of mm, safety in entering a synagogue and feeling at home, like the sounds and the people, the prayers are all familiar to you. And at the same time, maybe just maybe you're walking into a potentially dangerous situation. I think so many Jewish people all around the world walk into a synagogue and have no other choice, just subconsciously become aware of like where the nearest exit is. So I think in that way, Jewish safety and unsafety are inseparable from the way that I think about myself as a Jewish person. And it was really all that I was thinking about when I was in Vienna doing this research at the Jewish Museum. The piece that we were talking about earlier, Kaddish or Judith slang, Halafernes, Leora, I'm, I'm curious what stood out about that to you in particular? One thing that really draws me to this piece, I think, is like how at first pass, there's kind of this enigmatic connection between um, the narrative and the image and the prayer that's that's inscribed onto it. And it, I keep coming back to it and, and thinking about how those two things are connected and why they're put together. But also as a personal thing, I just, I love um, tracing the Judith story through art history and like similar femme fatale characters. And the Walters Art Museum here in Baltimore has a painting by uh, Trifemi Bigot dated to the late 1500s titled Judith Decapitating Holofernes, which depicts the character of Judith and her handmaiden decapitating the Assyrian conqueror Holofernes. Um, and so I, I kind of like that connection because it is such a striking image that like when you walk into the Walters and you walk into that particular space, it's kind of the first thing you see. Um, and so I think very tangibly it has a connection to art in Baltimore. But another thing that I like about it is just that the book of Judith is apocryphal and as Rosabelle has noted, it's it's often used in Christian communities, but it also came into use in Jewish communities in the medieval period and is associated with Hanukkah and with the Hasmoneans. And the character herself is Jewish. So one thing that I think is interesting is that even if the source is not Jewish, it's kind of a narrative about Jewish strength from what was probably an outside perspective. And even in more straightforward depictions, like the one at the Walters, she's this powerful symbol of, of strength and of cunning. And it, it did sort of become somewhat canonized in Jewish traditions as well. And I think that these mythological narratives, like including Judith and also including the story of the golem, which is represented by Val Schlossberg, 
point towards how Jewish imagination kind of perceives external threats and how to overcome it. And we tend to use these myths as tools because they're they're a way to transmit our imagination from generation to generation. And so are the historical narratives. But I think of this artwork as an extension of that tool and as a reimagination of that imagination. And I guess finally, what I what I really love about this piece is the pairing of the narrative and its associated themes with the Mourner's Kaddish. And Rosabelle, I think you noted in one of your artist statements that uh, the Mourner's Kaddish doesn't mention death. It's it's really a, a praising of God for life. And so I, I just think there are all of these kind of powerful and, and enigmatic links between this narrative of Jewish and female triumph over foreign and masculine subjugation and cultural imperialism with prayer and ritual. And as I interpret it, um, this is my personal interpretation of it, like Jewish tradition and ritual are the source of strength and triumph. And so I love how kind of powerfully Jewish it feels. Very well said. <laughs> you said you you talk about my work better than I do. At this point, you know, I'm I'm kind of I've forgotten a lot of the like the initial impulses that brought me to make the work because the work was completed in 2019. So it feels like forever ago, to be honest. I think part of the reason that I like it is because I make Judith and Holofernes paintings. And I think my Judith and Holofernes paintings are a little bit different because um, sometimes I imagine that the character is specifically Jewish in like a, you know, a Jewish ritual character kind of way, but also in a lot of in a lot of like my paintings, I imagine that this character is really just a stand-in for any woman or person who's being subjugated or out of control and trying to triumph in the face of something much greater than themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just, I like it because it's like one of my favorite art historical themes. Yeah. And I, I've seen your depictions of, of the same story. And I think there, I, if only you could have curated yourself into this because although I know that that's a bit taboo to do as a curator, I think your work is like, it's so, it it so beautifully answers the same question that I raised too. And that, and that the entire theme of offense raises. We should do a contemporary Judith's show. Yes. <sighs> Up next at the Jewish Museum, Maryland. <laughs> Okay, well, I have a question for both of you, because you both, now that we're talking about Leora's art, you both use anti-Semitic imagery in um, your art. Like, Leora, I'm thinking about the the one that you did that was specifically in response to um, something that happened at the Jewish Museum of Maryland when somebody looked at the exhibit and said, what about left-wing anti-Semitism? And you made a piece in response to that. And Rosabelle, you know, you're, you're using these anti-Semitic tropes as we talked about before, like the stereotypically Jewish nose on the bird. I'm wondering what it's like for for both of you as artists and as Jews to spend time like absorbing and remixing and thinking about these anti-Semitic tropes. I started painting swastikas into some of my paintings a few years ago, and it was sort of directly in response to Donald Trump and to the rise in white supremacy here. And I think that one of the things that I wanted to emphasize or communicate in those pieces was how embedded that symbol and and white supremacy feels even in Jewish life. Like, I don't think that there is an American Judaism that isn't 
heavily informed by white supremacy and by anti-Semitism. And so at least in my own work, I felt like I was like beautifying and wrapping this symbol into depictions of Jewish life as a way to kind of just deal with that. And, and that painting that you're referring to, I think was, I, I also wrapped swastikas into that one, but I think I was kind of thinking about it in a more indirect and complicated way, um, just in terms of like what is informing what we think is our external threat, which ones feel like an external threat and which ones are maybe a false flag. Mm. I'm yeah. using the flag intentionally. <laughs> I would second the fact that a history of Jewish oppression is, is implicated in American Jewishness and Jewish identity. It is impossible to fully assimilate without constantly reckoning with a history that, at least for me, I'm, I'm, my family is from Russia. I feel this constant pull backwards towards the shuttle. <laughs> I feel like I'm always contending with like this, a history of you know, where, where did I come from? Questions of where did I come from? Why are we here? Why, why is my name pronounced this way? And I'm, and in doing this project that I mentioned before about my Zadie, the book, um, I've been doing a lot of research too, and like into what my, um, where my family came from, like where they're actually, where they fled from, from the pogroms. So that's been really interesting. But anyways, all that's to say anti-Semitism is inherent to the way that I think about being a Jewish person, probably because of the project that I did in Vienna and because I had no other choice but to spend nine months with this material. Well, what's interesting, too, is when I was in Vienna, I, I was drawing a lot of noses I was drawing a lot of mm, pre-Hitler history. I don't, I wasn't really able emotionally or probably physically, like I knew that there would be, I would cross a line if I drew Hitler or even insinuated anything related, related to Hitler in Austria. But it wasn't until I came to America, and, and since I've been in grad school, I've been drawing a lot of Hitler mustaches on things, and I've been really <laughs> fascinated by cats that have little Hitler mustaches, and remembering that cars, when I was a kid, I learned about the Holocaust at really, a really young age, and I felt very scarred by cars when they don't have a license plate, have a little blacked out license plate. Many of them look like they have little Hitler mustaches. So cars that look like Hitler, cats that look like Hitler, flowers that look like Hitler. I just, the list goes on and on. So I've been drawing a lot of them and I think, you know, it's serving a similar purpose to me as the nose, which is it's referencing a kind of like offensive dark history through humor in a, in a way that, that is, that recontextualizes a more sinister past. Okay, I have one last question for you, Rosabelle. You identify as a funny girl or a lifelong Barbara Streisand fan? I'm wondering why you like Barbara Streisand so much and what kind of lessons you've learned from her over the years. When I was in third grade, we had a biography project and I showed up to the library late 
on the day that we had to pick our people, our subjects to do our biographies on. And when everybody else had picked the book of the, the biography that they were going to read and the people they were going to do their biographies on, I showed up. And I think like the last two books that were left were Barbara Streisand's biography and someone else I have no idea. And I didn't know who either of them were. And the librarian says, I think you should do Barbara Streisand. And I said, okay, I don't know. And of course I went to a Jewish elementary school. So of course they had a Barbara Streisand book. Um, and so I brought it home and I read about Barbara Streisand and and I watched some Barbara Streisand movies. I was like eight. By the end, I had to dress up as Barbara Streisand and I got a little a little plastic award and at, in front of everyone, in front of all of my, my peers and their parents, I got up and I looked at my award and I said, hello, gorgeous, in my like little eight-year-old voice. <laughs> what I remember of Barbara Streisand and something that I, I think is just like everybody knows is it is the fact that she owned her nose you know she owned her jewishness it was never even a question of whether or not she was going to change her features in order to look assimilated in order to look less obviously jewy or less other you know so that's something that i love about barbara streisand but that's also the reason why you know, yes, I love, I love Yentl. Yes, um, I love Funny Girl, but I had no other choice but to do a biography on Barbara Streisand and that's why I love her. <laughs> that's Rosabel Rosalind. Rosabel Rosalind is an artist based in Pittsburgh and is part of Offense Around the Torah. Rosabel Rosalind, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And I've also been joined by Leora Ostroff, who is curator in residence here at the Jewish Museum of Maryland, where she curated a fence around the Torah. Leora, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Disloyal. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Our email address is disloyal at jewishmuseummd.org. You can follow us on Twitter at jewishmuseummd or on Instagram at jewishmuseum underscore md. And if you're in Baltimore, come visit. Go to jewishmuseummd.org for more information and to become a member if you're interested in supporting content like this podcast. Visit offensearoundthetorah.com to check out our latest art exhibit. Disloyal is a production of the Jewish Museum of Maryland, and it's produced and hosted by me, Mark Gunnery, with production assistance from Naomi Weintraub, the Jewish Museum of Maryland's community artist in residence. Our executive director is Saul Davis. You can subscribe to Disloyal wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes each Friday. Until next time, take care. Take care.